Are you ever kind of annoyed when someone does like a big grand gesture and you're over there like, come on, you're making the rest of us look bad over here. Have you ever had that feeling before? It's like, man, you set the bar really high. How am I supposed to get anywhere near that? Well, there's a tennis player named Serena Williams, and she got married last November to the co-founder of the website, Reddit. And uh, on Sunday, she told her husband, hey, I would love some good Italian food. Well, obviously, the first thing you do is you jump on a plane to Venice and you go eat Italian food, right? (laughs) I'm sitting here as a husband, and I'm like, what in the world? How am I supposed to follow that? What am I supposed to do about that? You know, sometimes I bring my wife gummy worms on the ride home from work. I mean, that's me trying, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. But sometimes these grand gestures can make the rest of us look bad. And we're like, man, how am I supposed to follow that? Well, today we're going to talk about a secretly incredible person that's going to make you say, come on, man, how am I supposed to live up to that? How am I supposed to follow that? Last week, we talked about that phrase, secretly incredible. And uh, we talked about how Bob Goff coined that term in his book, Love Does. And we referenced Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus, when he did miracles, he had told people to keep those things quiet. He would heal someone and he'd say, hey, don't tell anybody about it. And that's so different than the world we live in today. Uh, and it's driven by self-promotion and, uh, it's, and self Uh, you know, celebration. We love to tell everybody who we are and what we do. But Jesus modeled something very different for us. See, secretly incredible people keep what they have done, God's best kept secrets, because the only one who needs to know, the God of the universe, already knows. And Jesus was telling those people about, uh, you know, instead of just telling everyone what you're doing all the time, there is a better way to live. And maybe Jesus wanted us to be secretly incredible instead. There's a woman in Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 41 through 44, that is so secretly incredible that we have no idea what her name is, no idea uh, what her identity is or where she was from. All we know is what she did. And believe me, incredible is the right word for it. See, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is visiting the temple. And he's people watching. Have you ever done that before? Right? Maybe you go to a mall or you go to a, uh, you know, a park or something and you just sit there and you, kinda, you don't have anything else to do so you just watch people walk by. Tori and I were in a mall one time and there was a man that was looking at his phone and he's walking, walking, walking. Well, it was a really weird setup. Uh, right in the middle of this big courtyard, there's a set of metal stairs that go straight up. And uh, you could just walk right under him. And that's what that guy did. He, <laughs> he's texting on his phone, boom, 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 pew, and just lays out. You guys shouldn't be laughing. The ambulance came and everything. It was terrible. <laughs> I set you up for that one. But it was. It was crazy. And that's, you know, there's crazy things that you can see while you're people watching. And Jesus is in the temple, and he's watching people and seeing what they're doing. So right in front of Jesus there, he sees this place where everybody would come in the temple and bring their offering. And Jesus sees all these religious people, right, wearing their Sunday best, these long, ornate robes. And they're walking around, networking, you know, getting with all the movers and the shakers. 
And these rich religious elite get so much respect. The Bible even tells us that they get the best seat in church. And they get the, uh, the seat of honor whenever there's a dinner. And it just so happens that these same religious people, these religious elite, the Bible calls them scribes, were often the estate planners for the widows. And it tells us here in this chapter that those scribes were taking advantage of these distraught widows and convincing them that they would be serving God by giving up large sums of their money to the temple or even to their own holy work, right? Hey, I, you know, come on, give me your money and I'll do great things with it and God will just love you so much. So what they essentially did is they robbed these women of the money that was left behind by their hardworking husbands. And these same men that are doing these things are, are getting up in front of everyone and praying these long prayers so everybody can watch them and everyone can see them so they can feed their egos and feel hyper-spiritual. So Jesus is sitting there. He's seeing all of this happen. And he's sitting directly across from these 13 uh, trumpet-shaped offering containers. And he's seeing everybody do uh, their, their worship through that. And he sees person after person dropping in these large sums of money in the offering, making a big deal out of it so everyone can see. But then, then Jesus notices a poor widow woman. This widow woman was a lot like the widows that we just talked about, that were being taken advantage of by those scribes, those religious elite. Now, we don't know why she was poor, but maybe she got duped out of her money, much like those widows we just talked about. You know, sometimes we joke about being broke, right? You know, I'm so broke, you know, I don't, you know, whatever. I could eat a horse or something. I don't know how the saying goes. But, uh, but this woman was so poor, she was literally so poor, she just had barely enough money to rub two coins together, right? And these two coins, though, they weren't silver dollars. They weren't quarters. The Bible calls them mites. Mites were two copper coins, or they were coins that were the smallest denomination in use at that time. Two mites equaled one penny. That's all she had to her name. That was everything that she had. Jesus sees her. He's watching her. He's like, man, there's something going on here. And that woman, she walks by those trumpet-shaped containers, and she sticks her hands out, and she lets go of that money. She drops it into the offering. No ornate robe, no long prayer announcing to everyone what she had done, no Instagram posts with some, you know, hashtag that's about giving or something like that. Jesus sees this. He calls his disciples over, and he says, hey, you got to check this woman out. you got to see what she's done. Verse 44 says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing. Wait a minute, she didn't have hardly anything. What do you mean she's putting in all the, more than anybody else? This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put everything in that she had all that she had to live on. I don't know about you, but this verse scares me to death, right? This is, this is like, whoa, I, 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 wait a minute. This, that's too far. You know, this lady's a fanatic. She's a maniac. She's taking this whole thing way too far. Who is this lady? What is she doing? 
She's making all us fine Christian specimens look bad, right? Come on, lady, how am I supposed to follow that? I give my 10%, and this lady, though, she's over here literally emptying her entire bank account. What am I supposed to do with that? If you think about it, though, those two mites were quite possibly the most uh, valuable mites to have ever existed. The Bible says, and Jesus says, that those two half pennies were worth more than all those religious people had put in there before her. She held out her hand, all that she had to live on, and she let go. There's another man in the Bible whose identity is also secret. However, I wouldn't call what he did incredible. Just a few chapters before in Mark chapter 10, a rich young man approached Jesus. Let's look how it says it, though, in Matthew 19, 16. The rich man says to Jesus, he says, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you ask me about what is good? You're trying to be good here, but there's only one who is good. See, Jesus is trying to make it clear that this rich young man uh, doesn't understand that God is the only one that is good, and we all fall short of that. And then Jesus, as he often does, he gives this man a test. He says, if you would enter life, you think you're doing pretty good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Jesus says, if you want to go to heaven, there's no one good deed that you can do. No, you have to keep all the commandments for all of time. Now, later, in verse 25, the disciples answered this call to keep all the commandments perfectly with the right answer. This is what the disciples said when Jesus said that. They said, who can do that? Who can do that? And I would imagine that most of us would come to that conclusion as well. Hey, you have to be, you know, keep every single commandment in the Bible for your whole entire life. And we're sitting there like, I'm already out. You know, sorry, you should have told me, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And then even then, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I can't keep from sinning in the next 10 minutes, let alone for my entire life. But let's check out what this rich young man said, uh, said instead. He says, no problem. You know, I've, I've kept all those uh, commandments from my youth. I, I'm perfect. I'm doing great. I haven't lied. I haven't committed adultery. I've loved my neighbor. I haven't coveted anybody else's things. All right, Jesus, what else you got? Come on. You know, that was easy. Let me, let me see what else you can do. Well, Jesus then reveals what this rich young man is holding on to, where he puts his trust and his hope. And this is what Jesus said to him. If you would be perfect, go Sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then he says this. He says, come, follow me. See, Jesus knew him. He knows everything. He knew he wouldn't give away everything for his poor neighbors that he says that he loved. And in fact, really, he's prideful and he loves himself and his possessions more than anything else. So does selling everything and, and giving it all away, you know, save you? No, absolutely not. That's not how it works. But it might reveal why you're not saved. That's what happened here in this, in this verse. You could see by what he was holding on to, where he really had his trust and his hope. Matthew 19, 22 says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus called this man to follow him, and he rejected. He said no. Can you imagine taking a tour of this guy's house, right? You know, you, hey, rich, you're rich. 
Tell me and show me everything that you have in your house that you rejected Jesus for so that you could keep. Oh, man, you got to check this out, right? This is is my house. Isn't it beautiful? Five bedrooms, five baths, everything you could have. It's beautiful, right? Here's my house. Oh, well, how many people you got living there? Oh, it's just, just me and my wife. Why do you need five bathrooms? Come on. You know, how, how many different bathrooms you got to use every day? You can only use one each day? Well, don't worry about that. Yeah, that's my house. That's great. But check out my car over here. This is my, this is my car. It goes zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Why do you need to go that fast? Well, you know, I, I, guess, I, I guess that's true, but it goes 150 miles an hour. Have you ever got it up that fast? Well, no, it's illegal. Why? Well, I can't drive that fast. Oh, okay, okay, well, but, but don't worry about my car or my house. Let me show you my watch. It's a Rolex, right? Oh, that's nice. Does it tell time any better? No, but it's, it's shiny, right? It's beautiful, right? But, uh, all right, this will impress you. Let me show you my boat. It's a huge, right? It's beautiful, the most beautiful boat that you've ever seen in your whole entire life. The best boat that ever boated in all of time. <laughs> Check out my boat right here, right? Oh, that's, that's really nice. How often do you get to take it out? Well, I work a lot, so, you know, you take this tour of this guy's house and say, show me all these things that you rejected Jesus to say, I have these great possessions, and all these things I have are so awesome, they're so wonderful, and sorry, Jesus, uh, I want them a little bit more than I want you. Jesus called him to follow me. See, some of us may wonder why they don't have more things in this life, more money, more possessions in this life. Well, maybe it's a blessing. Maybe it's because Jesus wants you to be more like the woman with two mites instead of that rich young man who rejected Jesus to keep his great possessions. Some of you, the worst thing you could possibly do is win the lottery because we'd never see you again. You'd be like, oh man, I got everything covered now. Jesus, I don't need you no more. I got all my bills paid. See, that's not really how it works. See, it seems like Every couple weeks, every couple months, it's really super sad, but there's this rich person that takes their life, right? And, and, and that means to me that, that, that that's not where all the answers are. But this rich young man, he said, I have great possessions. Sorry, Jesus. I want to keep them instead. See, the difference between the widow and the rich man is one let go and the other held on. The widow let go of all the temporary things of this world. And she held on to the hope of heaven. The rich young man held on to the temporary things of this world and let go of his hope in heaven. Last week we did a hand motion, and I told you I was going to test you on this, all right? We had two words and a hand motion. I see Miss Corliss. She's already on the ball. You ready? Anybody remember what it was? What was the hand motion for last week? What was the words? Oh, man, you guys are awesome. All right, so we got a new one today. We're going we're gonna to add them up together. Today, you do this. You ready? Let go. You ready? Let go. One more time. Let go. Let's do them both together. Bring one. Let go. Bring one. Let go. Awesome. See, we don't know the name of this widow woman with two mites, but we, sh- we know this. We know this, that she let go. And Jesus said she gave more than all of the rest. 
And her life made an impact. We don't know who she is, but we're still talking about her 2,000 years later. This isn't a message on giving. This isn't a message on tithing. It is a message on surrender. Surrender. This isn't a message about a check that you should write in, in the next five minutes to put in the offering. No, this is a message about giving it all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. There's another song that says this, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world, just give me Jesus. We see the rich young man said, hey, I'll take the world. I'll take the world. Give me all that. I guess I can, I can do without Jesus. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll take my chances. The question is today is what are you holding on to? The rich young man had great possessions, and those possessions here tied his focus to this world. See, the more we get embedded, and the more that we dig in, and the more that we settle down into this earth, the more our focus is here. But see, the widow woman had nothing, and her focus was fixed on heaven. Jimmy Needham says this, anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all of my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything that I give all my love is an idol. See, that rich young man rejected Jesus and instead worshiped his possessions. Jesus said it this way in Luke 14, He said, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. David Platt tells us that it's not enough to be hypothetically willing. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to be thinking actively, God, what do you want? God, here it all is. I'm going to hold out my outstretched hand, and I'm going to say, God, whatever you want, it's yours anyway, take it all. Use these resources for your purpose. All my time, all my talent, all my treasures, it is all yours. I told you we were going to talk about a secretly incredible person that was going to make us say, come on, man, how can I follow that? How can I do that? But this secretly incredible widow woman set the example for us to let go. Let go. The worship team's going to come. Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads. The difference between this widow woman and the rich man is one held on, the other let go. So which one are you today? Is your fist clenched around your resources, your time, your talent, your treasures, as if you could hold them tight enough to take them into the next life? Instead, what if we were secretly incredible, like this widow woman? Well, what if we let go of the temporary and realize that this is all going to fade away? The Bible tells us when we invest in this life, uh, this is a place that is moth-eaten and rusty, and this is a place where thieves can break in and steal. If you're investing in this life, it's all going to pass away. Let's go, let go of the temporary and hold on to the eternal. Andy, Andy's going to softly play. The band's going to softly play. 
Ask yourself that question right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. God, what do you want me to let go of? God, it's all yours. God, you can have it. It's a scary place to be. Well, what if God tells me to to sell my house and move to Africa? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that might be a scary thing, but that's the best place you can possibly be. Do you trust God or do you not trust God? Every head bowed and eyes closed, you ask yourself that question. We want to use the altar anytime during the service, but it's open now. You come down and say, God, it's all yours. Like that widow woman, I'm going to just let go. All I have, everything I have to live on. I surrender it to you, God, and whatever you want to do with it, you do it. God, what do you want me to do with my car? God, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my job? God, all of it, it's yours. Head bowed and eyes closed, you come now.